to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Elliott. Hopefully, you guys are all doing well today. Super excited. We got a phenomenal, this guy is crushing it in all areas of real estate investing. He's been in the game for a few years now. His first deal, I believe, was back in 2014. He's doing 20 to 30 deals per year currently. He's got about 45 doors under his belt that he's hanging on to. He's linked up as a broker with Lima One Capital, which is an awesome platform. It's more geared towards the investor, like low documents needed to be able to get funding. And it's not the traditional method. You know, the rates are a little bit more than the traditional side, but it's really a great platform that you guys can easily get. You know, they're basing it more on a project, which is awesome. And this guy went through some struggles in the beginning with construction and and something that we can all learn from because you know I'm raising my hand right here you know I'm not leaving him by himself I've definitely had a handful of issues myself just like most real estate investors so we're going to dive into it we're going to talk about you know funding your deals and the nitty gritty but without further ado Courtney what's going on man how you doing doing well man thank you for having me today I really appreciate it and looking forward to getting in and diving in talking about deals talking about funding deals and credibility packets and everything man I really appreciate the opportunity to be on today yeah man I appreciate you well for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are do you mind just diving in a little bit of who you are where you're from and what you're up to Yeah, so my name is Courtney Newmans. I was born and raised in Macon, Georgia, which is probably about an hour, hour and a half outside of Atlanta. I went to the University of Georgia, enjoyed my time there, had fun. Uh, Southeastern Comfort School, so you're definitely going to have a little bit of fun. Came to Atlanta <laughs> after graduation, and my first year, moved job to job, really trying to find my foot of what I wanted to do. And then in 2012, I landed a job with Lima One Capital, who's still my current employer to this day, full-time, working on the real estate side. I've always had a love for real estate, and then I've always had a love for numbers on the finance side. So loving the job that we're doing over at Lima One Capital, company that's grown from a million dollars shop shop to over a hundred million dollars a month uh, shop now so seeing that growth in the last eight years has been amazing it then be able to tailor products for our clients and then just grow with the market and then just read and react to that market it's been great and then for me personally my first two years there is really learning the uh, business of real estate in Atlanta uh, that's where I was uh, headquartered at and then just really understanding what a real estate investor does as far as from the fits and flip side just learning that side of the business and then just seeing how my clients were being successful making thirty to eighty thousand dollars off of a house that they flipped I was like man I want to get into it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just learning that and then so we, me and two of my close buddies we did our first flip in 2014 that deal right. actually took 18 months <laughs> 18 months on the first one that happens that happens <laughs> on the first one so we bought a house in a historic area called uh west end atlanta we bought it for like thirty-five thousand. then we had our contractor told us hey you can get it done for ninety-five thousand. the construction ended up being around 120 130 000 in the house 
ARV actually grew <laughs> as the time went on. So we didn't lose too much money, but yep, yep. it was definitely some pains along the way. <laughs> and so that yeah, was man. my real estate career there <laughs> as far as an investor. So that first deal, that was in 2014. You partnered up with somebody. You got in, I believe, two years before you actually started working with Lima One Capital. You That's got correct. some motivation from them. What drew you to become a broker? Was it just some kind of freak, you know, accident kind of thing? Or did you yeah, have people so, in your family that kind of promoted that? No. So as far as the broker side, I work directly for the company. So I only okay. have access to Lima One Capital. Usually when you have a financing broker, they're they're trying to match and play, which is the best deals for you to go here. So for me, I work directly with Lehman One Capital. But what drew me to that was an attorney here in Atlanta, and he knew that I was doing business banking at the time. So that was what I was working on. And then gotcha. I just had that love for real estate. It's like being in the corporate world, like a true corporate world, being in the bank from nine to five, like it wasn't where I wanted to be. I wanted to yeah. get out of network. I really wanted to work with entrepreneurs and really help them. And that's something that's really drew me to real estate with Lima One Capital. So I got the best of both worlds where I got to see the, the hard assets of the real estate investing side, but also work on the finance side and work the number side to be able to use that with Lima One. I love that. So you got a little bit of, I guess, the connection or the little seed planted from the attorney. And yeah. then once you actually started working with them, you got the motivation from seeing a bunch of random guys come in and get the successful numbers that, you know, everybody's like, whoa, okay. So this is possible, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. So with that first deal, it took 18 months, right? My first one, it took 14 months. It was crazy. <laughs> I can definitely relate to it. What kind of issues came up? Okay. So first... Yeah, we got which which one you want to go with? You want to grocery list, right? So first, the contractor that we were dealing with, we thought was on board everything. He actually did contracting work for other investors that I saw. The work was pretty good. Come okay. to find out, he didn't have a license, so that was one. Okay. So for the first, we I, I originated loan. I did my loan with Lima One Capital, so I'm paying interest just like everybody else is paying interest. So yeah. those first two to three months were like. Okay, where's the permits? And so my partner, who is an engineer, computer with, so he kept yeah, looking. Yeah. He kept looking online, like, "Hey, man, there's no permits. Like, what is going on?" So we put finally the contractor, quote unquote, he got the permits. I guess he used somebody else's license to be able to get the permits. So we started the permit process in there. Then, without knowing, he started demoing the house and demoing the stuff on the outside. This house, in particular, was in a historic area. Oh man. So it's a no no. You can't do that. <laughs> no, no. So my first deal for <laughs> dealing with a bad contract, and then it was in a historic area. So we started changing stuff on the outside. The windows were not correct. The siding you were not supposed to take off. It was wood siding. You're supposed to keep it on the house and, and have something that matches with the uh, neighborhood. So we got a stop work order for an additional three months. So four months in, then you get yes. then you get a stop work order. So I had to learn the process because I'm the one that's here in Atlanta. My two other partners are out of town. So I had to learn the process while also working a full-time job of, hey, how do I get this stop work order off of my house? So literally, I had to give her the architect, rework the plan, show everything, print out a 20-page report of what we're going to do to the house, the construction. Like, I had to literally learn everything at that moment and talk with other investors of how to go through that. And then once I presented that package, I had to go to what we call the UDC, the Urban Design Commission or yeah. uh, Committee, sure. and present yeah. it. 
And then you had people in the neighborhood, they saw what was going on. They saw the guy working without any permits. So they're like, he doesn't know what he's doing. You need to not do this. He shouldn't be doing this. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it was like it a was, mini court case, right? Against it you. was like a court case. But luckily, presenting and being able to give a well-thought-out plan of what we're going to do to be able to finish the construction, boom, we were there. So that was seven months in. Gave the guy another chance. So, and then work for another three months. So we're at the 10-month mark now. Now at the 10-month mark, it's like, hey, can we finish the house? And then we got another stop work order because he tried to do a driveway without getting the right permissions. <laughs> so we got that stop work order. And then at that point, my partner was like, hey, get us out. Get us out. Enough, gotta, yeah, enough <laughs> is enough. Yeah. And for me, I'm not a person that I don't like to quit. So we're, we're able to refinance the loan, get them paid off. And then at that point, that's when I really learned construction. It's like, hey, I need to find an electrician. I need to find sure. a plumber. I need to find a cabinet guy. Literally finding all these trades to be able to go in the house. And remind you, I'm working a full-time job. So being able, able to do that, it took where it may have taken someone, a normal person, 60 days to finish that project it took me an additional three months to be able to finish that project and then we were able to get it on the market and get it sold thank god i was glad to get rid of it but i actually i tell anyone the same amount that someone's pays thirty forty thousand dollars for education i learned it from that first deal so i I I hear you man (laughs) i couldn't be more more happy yeah yeah no i love that at the end of the day something that that really stands out with you that i'm so drawn to and just tremendous respect for you is that like yes you're on the side of you know lending and seeing it but you're also doing it and you're not just doing like one or two like you're doing 20 to 30 a year Mm -hmm. like you're staying pretty active doing it yeah Yeah. and and it's just not me by myself i have partners like i invest in deals but as far as being involved in it, I love doing it. So it's like I work with other people. Like I'm always a guy that's like, if I could trust you as a partner, we can work together to get deals done because everyone can bring something to the table to get stuff done, for sure. I love that. That's so true. I mean, it's all about the team, right? Building the team. Yeah, it's the team aspect, for sure. I think you're only as good as the next person with you that's on your team, for sure. That's right. So let's talk about your team. What does that kind of entail? What does the day-to-day look like for you guys? So I'm a Scorpio, and I work with another guy who's a Scorpio. So we're always butting heads. But as far as (laughs) – he's a realtor, and he has negotiating skills, like, out this world. Like, he talks, and he's able to negotiate. But his design sense is, like, key. So we we work together to be able to get in the house, get them done, and to be able to understand, hey, what really needs to go into a project to be – the most appealing to the buyer that we're looking for at that time. So as far as knowing the market, he knows the market. Then we work with another guy that actually finds our properties. He's wholesaler. He probably won't hear from two, three weeks at a time, but he's the one that's going to help us raise the problem money to get this stuff done, but also help us know, hey, this is a good deal. This is what we should buy. And then on me pulling the finance together and maintaining our books and making sure that we're doing the things to keep everything in line and in order. So I think everyone brings their sense to the table of it all gels together. I think me and my other partner, we just butt heads a lot, but we work great because we're like brothers. So it's like we, we can fight, we can yell at each other, but five minutes later, we're like, I, I love you, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it's about. I mean, if you can overlook the day-to-day and just keep it moving, then that's yeah. and getting the progress. Then yeah. a little clash here and there it's is okay. Here. It's always there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little friendly competition. 
Okay, so your role is basically doing the money part, raising money, getting partners together on the money side to get the deal funded, and then also doing a little bit of the project managing, correct? Yeah, correct, correct. I like trying to do the project management, but as far as managing the books and making sure that we're in order as far as our taxes, and then also managing and making sure that our financials as far as planning for our business, credit cards, anything that we're having as far as instruction, and we also own Airbnbs together. So making sure that the cash flow is, is right monthly, and then we're taking care of all our things we need to do there and make sure our bills are getting paid as well. <laughs> yeah, that's important. That's important. So let's talk about the finances for a second. Are you guys hiring some of that out and then you're just managing some of the people that's doing the accounting or paying the bills or are you handling a majority of that yourself? I would say 50% of it, I'm handling that you oversee it. You yeah. hire out a VA to do your assistance where you're, you're taking in your invoices and collecting and making sure everything is documented in Dropbox so you can get it to the accountant and we have account, very good accounts that keep up with everything that we're, we're spending on a monthly basis and then be able to see, hey, here's our monthly financials to be able to know, hey, this is where we're on board. In the beginning, use a lot of hard money, but now we're, we're transitioning to private money and bank financing. So you really have to have two to three years of your financials together yeah. when you go into a bank to be able to say, hey, we are good. We are here. Here's our profit and loss statement. Sure. So as you grow with the business, you have to get more sophisticated as well to get cheaper okay. money. Yeah. And are you guys doing the business credit aspect or focusing on certain credit cards to be able to give you that protection or rewards or just bigger lines of credits instead of the hard money lending? Yeah. So we don't use the business credit as far as the take down properties. We yeah. use the business credit to operate. So instead of us using our own money and then just say, hey, I don't have $50,000 out of my pocket in a project right now, I remember those days and doing it, is where you're having business credit cards, where you have four or five business credit cards that can hold your construction, where you have limits of thirty-five to 40000 at a time, where you can hold your construction costs because your contractors are going to Home Depot, they're going to the lumber yards. So you're managing that process and managing those operations from there. Yeah. Yeah. I know all the listeners they already know how we like to play when it comes down to the credit side of things and real estate. Obviously you get that protection, you get the points, you get easy accounting and it just makes life easier. So if you can build up and follow the steps to get that foundation properly set up just within a short period of time, you know, a couple months to a year plus, you can really set yourself up for tremendous success instead of using that hard money expensive it's not even fully expensive. You can still make deals work left and right. Yeah. But if you can save a couple bucks and make it go even further, then, then that's the way to go. So it's cool that you've used those avenues. Plus, now you're starting to transition more over to the private money lending side. I wanted to ask, when it comes down to private money lending, any techniques or tips and tricks that you would give to the listeners when it comes down to raising money? I think experience is always key. I think the money yeah. that I've raised for my apartment deal is sure. like just having the experience from the single family side to say, hey, I understand the construction and I can manage it. And but yeah. also making that private money person feel comfortable. Hey, this is a real asset, but also have that person being comfortable enough to know, hey, I'm protected when I'm working with you as an investor. Yeah. And I think that's what you want to see. And then also saying, hey, we're going to have reporting to see where everything is in. And I think with the breakdown when people lose private money or they can't 
get private money is the communication aspect. So you yeah. got to have a credibility packet put together. Say, hey, here's a packet for me, not just only to know that I'm talking about this, but here's tangible evidence of deals that I've done over the last two to three years where it, sure. it has been successful and what I've paid out to other investors. Or even if you're using hard money, paying back the hard money to the different lenders that you're using. Hey, I still love hard money. I work for a hard money lender. Yeah, yeah. I still use it today. But it's also, you know, as your business grow, you want to tr definitely try to find cheaper money as well to grow and flexible money because the deal that you, you may be looking at may not be right for the hard money lender, but for your private money lender, it may be something right because it's a riskier deal or something that's looking for less yield, but it, sure. it works out both sides. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I personally like, I just feel better knowing that, you know, I'm hooking up a neighbor or if I'm going to pay interest anywhere, I'd rather it be somewhat more favorable on my end, obviously. But mm -hmm. if I can hook up a mom and pop, somebody local in the neighborhood or a relationship that I've built over time, instead of, you know, a bigger company that's doing a little bit higher, then I just feel like it's more that relationship built. It's definitely relationship because I think for me, I remember starting off, I'm like, man, my family and friends, they don't have money. Yes. <laughs> right I get it. I get it. But as time grew and then as I grew in the business, it's like yep. your friends that you didn't think had money got forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 laying around. It's like, hey, I'm not doing anything with it. Can I earn some money with you? And that's where that relationship goes. And then something that my dad always says, closed mouths do not get fed. So if you're not talking about what you're doing, then you're not going to be able to get that money. And being honest, in the hard money world, I was like, man, I'm always going to use hard money. To the day I die, it just, oh, it is. It is. Yeah. It's like, I just don't have those people surrounding me that can lend me private money. And it actually changed. It's like, the more I start talking about it, the more you start posting on social media, hey, I'm getting messages from people that I don't even know. Hey, I heard about you from here. Hey, yep. I would love to invest with you. That, those are the things that really help you grow your business and enlighten you to say, hey, it is possible. I really thought it wasn't possible, but it is definitely possible to grow. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so true. You know, right in the beginning, I was the same exact way. I was looking around at my family and I was like, I didn't have the confidence, first off, number one. I didn't, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, right? And my family definitely didn't have it. Even friends in my area, I was like, nobody's going to lend me money. Yeah. So I thankfully used credit first, mm -hmm. but it got to the point where, you know, after you do so many deals or the confidence or just the boldness of always talking about it and being excited about it, have backup plans and so forth, then people come out of the woodworks of like, hey, well, I got a little bit of extra money or whatever it may be. Can exactly. I invest with you and partner up? And, exactly. and that's where you can get those long-term relationships and always have the funds to be able to constantly close on deals and really yeah. start getting this system going like you've done. I mean, 20 to 30 deals a year while working a full-time job, you're not doing it this isn't a one-man project. You're no, doing the construction no, no. and everything. It's not. It's not. No. It takes that team like you, you brought up. But, you know, I think that's awesome. That, that's what it's about. So we talked about some of the learning curves on that first one. Overall, with how many projects you've done at this point, what do you think would be your biggest learning curve? Or maybe just certain things that just kept on smacking you in the face and you're like, all right, enough is enough. I got I to gotta learn from this. Uh, one, I think is control. I think I had a control issue where you wanted to okay. be involved in every aspect of the business. And you, yep. and I think that's one thing you have to learn. It's like, Hey, hire somebody else that is good at doing that side of the business. Cause sure. at one point, like even for staging properties, I was like, instead of let's save the cost and let us buy all the furniture to stage houses. 
I'm not yeah. a stager. I'm not a designer. So yeah. it's like, why, why should I do that? And I, so yeah. I think you have to be able to get comfortable where you're able to let go of certain parts of the business and let people who are experts pay for that service to be able to help you in the long run because that's going to save you. Because you got to think, if you stage a property and you do it wrong, you could be sitting on the market for two to three months. But if you have an expert, you can sell the house in, in two weeks. So you just so save your holding costs. So it's, it's just like little things like that, I think hire for what you need in the beginning and then i think really for that, me that whole aspect of like being a jack of all trades it doesn't work with this field if you're really trying not. to scale it's not going to happen That's it, so it good. is not it is not good. and i think you have to really maintain relationships i think it's the most you're good with people it's like, I think that's the best aspect. I work in the lending world. I know how to connect. I know how to make sure, maintain a relationship. That's what I'm good with. And I think you have to do that with the people that work for you as well, for your contractors, construction workers. I think you got to trade that line of, hey, you got to be stern here, but you also yeah. got to have some understanding there as well. So I think you just have to really know how to work with your people. I love that. I want to talk about lead generation for a second. I know that's not necessarily like your main focus. I'm sure you got other people on the team that are bringing that aspect in, but I'm sure it's still something that you're not totally unfamiliar with, right? So let's talk about lead generation. You know, each market's slightly different, but how are you guys going after your main lead source? One, I think is networking. It's like people bring us deals because they know, hey, we can close, we can buy. So I think those are the deals that are probably the easiest to get. It's because it's all through networking. It's like you get a text message from your guy that hasn't even blasted it out to his list and like, okay, I want it. And then two, I think everyone is doing different type of market as far as direct mail, cold calling, texting. I think the thing that we've seen is the most successful in the last three months is a service called Lead Sherpa, whereas you're able to buy lists and then you're able to blast and text message lists. That's actually worked during COVID. I think that I've talked to a lot of people that says people are able to respond to text messages versus the cold calling because they're getting cold calls from everyone. But if you get a text message, you have a conversation through text messaging, then it's a good way to get deals done. So I think those have been the two for sure. Are you guys doing any type of like paper click or anything? Any... No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I want to get into, but again, it's something that I haven't been able to focus on and understand yet. Yeah, that's, that's totally fine. I mean, if the funnel's staying full and you guys are still <laughs> pumping out work and at the end of the day, you know, you got the systems in place. I love the idea of, not even the idea, the simple fact of just getting the word out there and the relationships because yeah. we get a majority of our deals as well from relationships, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and so the thing is, we're operators versus deal deal makers. So we're someone else is doing the, the legwork for us to be operated to be able to operate and buy yep. value add transactions. So that's where our focus is for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about Airbnb for a second. For the most part, you guys are doing fix and flips, and then as far as holds go, you're doing Airbnb, and you're doing some regular type of just long term rentals, correct? That's correct. Correct. So, so Airbnb, how long you been doing that? Airbnb is going on two years now for me. These are all selfish questions that I'm going to start asking because uh, we just started doing the Airbnb. It's going to get real selfish real quick. (laughs) So for me, I think I started Airbnb like 2018 and kind of did it accidentally where the property that I moved out of that I was living in, I was like, I turned it into an Airbnb. And then I'm like, this actually works. And I, I managed the Airbnb my first time. And then I learned, Later on, it's like, I can't manage it. Hire a third party, manage it, sure. take care of the bookings, talk with people. I think that's where it started, where the first house I had, I moved. And then 
I try to like my goal that I buy is I like to buy a house every two years. It's like you use a conventional loan down that 5% and then you're getting the Fannie and Freddie as far as the rates. You're getting that low fours to fives and low twos, well, high twos right now. Yeah. And so getting it's that. Crazy, and, isn't and, it? And Those rates, rates are ridiculous right now. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And so when you can move every two years, you convert that and keep that loan and keep that property as an Airbnb. So that's what it has, has happened for me. And then we've had some flips where we've cashed out, refinanced, and held them as Airbnb. Like, hey, we finished up the flip in, in late September. We're like, we're just going to Airbnb this for the rest of the year until March and then put it on the market then. So, that, so that's doing, doing like the burst strategy a little bit? Yep. Correct, yeah. correct. And so that's where we have been, been with our Airbnb. So at any point, we've had maybe two to operating eight Airbnbs at one time. Okay. Awesome. And then just what does that look like as far as the team goes with managing it? Is it just one person virtual assistant? So I don't even know. We hire our third party management. You got one person you got the relationship with and whoever knows how they handle it. Yeah. I think they like, I've seen the text messages, like it'll be one o'clock in the morning. I think they definitely have a virtual assistant be able to handle the booking and the responding because they have a high response weight. They're super hosts on Airbnb. But, Again, thing I learned, hire out somebody else that's good at it because I managed it, my first Airbnb, and I'm like, this is a headache. Like, yeah. being responsive, answering questions, handling the lock-in, coordinating the people to come clean the property. When there's a maintenance issue, having someone come out to be able to do the maintenance, it's a headache, and I can't do it. Again, I have a full-time job. It's yep. adding on a layer. It's not there. I'm <laughs> doing it. I hear you. I love that, man. I've always been a firm believer that the first couple months when starting anything – you know, anything new that is, I always personally like to get hands on and try to learn it before I can actually, just so I can relate with whoever I hire on and I can make sure that they are doing it right, that they're not like passing anything, you know, past my eyes type of thing. And as we were on vacation last week in New Jersey, visiting some family, I noticed we had a a couple people staying with us, one tenant or like, you know, one guest, they ended up losing their keys. And I was just like, (laughs) Dude, you lost your keys? Like, how'd you lose it? It's a set of three. I'm like, how, how'd this happen? And it was just, we had some of the systems in place getting prepared for this, mm-hmm. trip, but it was still like, man, I gotta, I can't wait to fully hire this out, right? Exactly. exactly. So I'm going to need to pick your brain after this and get your contacts for, uh, I got for you. The, I got you. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> cool, man. Well, let's talk about any other Big, I, I know that you mentioned the construction was a huge learning curve in the beginning, just hiring on the right person. Is there anything that you've learned from that to just be able to make sure you always have the right person moving forward? I think, so construction-wise, I think what we've come up with is we have a finished package. So, so we know what finishes we're going to put in each property. So I would say, one, never let your general contractor pick out your finishes that you're going to put yeah. in property. That's, never, me that's, a, that's a good one. You never know. <laughs> they're, they're always going to buy something that's going to be cheap. So we, we put together a finished package where it's a matte black, brushed nickel, or raw bronze, and or if it's a gold or metallic or bronze type of package, we pretty much focus on, hey, these are our packages and this is what we're going to do. And yeah. I think from the construction side, it's just working with each trade. So for us, we've actually managed that takes up a lot of times because we ma- we don't hire a general contractor. Gotcha. We manage all of the trades to go in. But I think yeah. it was a learning curve at first. But once we get a house, they know how we work and they know, hey, we got to get in and get this project done. And I think knowing what you want to do is for construction 
is really key and what you want to do to the property is key. And so understanding that and having that relationship with your sub is going to be, is just going to make the process easier and just know what is inspected. Hey, we're not cutting any corners. We know yep. buyers are sophisticated. So please don't try to cut any corners. We're going to do total new electric. We're going to do total new plumbing. We're going to, drywall paint everything is going to be on the up and up and we're going to pass code we're going to get inspections to come in and there so it's always been that key okay i love that cool so what does your future look like like what are you what kind of goals do you have moving forward and what are you trying to accomplish i feel like you're obviously you're on a strong path right now i don't know where you're trying to go but it's definitely (laughs) the compound effect is really starting to get some momentum going which is awesome yeah so what what sorry i'm putting in Charger. <laughs> do your thing, man. You do your thing. That's all right. You take your time. That's fine. That was me like a, a week ago. I, I was doing the same thing right in the middle of a call. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was about to die, so we're good to go. I got to say. But as far as the goal, I think what I really want to do is have anywhere from three to 500 multifamily units. And so the flipping has afforded us to be able to have the equity to grow, to be able to get into multifamily units. And what we're focusing on is value-ass transactions. And the first one that I'm doing now is in making. Literally, I was scared because we're in the middle of the pandemic and we're supposed to close on May 15th. And yeah. literally, <laughs> I had to have a decision. It's like, hey, do I lose $25,000 of earnest money or do we go forward with that, with that transaction? Yeah. Now... I'm glad we moved forward and, and didn't get cold feet because we're pre-leasing stuff before we even get it done. So so I think that's where we're going to move our focus is the transaction because it's like a hamster wheel. When you're doing the fits and flips, it's just not a scalable business. But when you can buy 36 units at one time, it's a scalable business because you get the units to scale there. So that's our goal is to be able to grow and have those multifamily assets in the near future. Okay, so right now you're going to start transitioning more into, you know, the bigger multifamily to hang on to those. And it's always about the value add, right? Like yeah. for any new person that's listening right now, it's all about the value add. You're not trying to get something that's cookie cutter. I mean, I guess it depends on your thing, you know. You, it depends you on it. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it could be a cookie cutter deal because you need to 1031 into it. Yeah. yeah. So. That's the easiest way to cook it, go into it. But for us, we're trying to, hey, put up the equity and recapture yeah. our equity once we do a value-add transaction. On the, on That's the so good. I love that. And what are you thinking about the pandemic right now? Like, have you seen, I know we saw just about a, a month or so ago, a little tightening up with the lenders. You know, how's everything looking right now? It seems like as things were starting to open up, you know, nationwide a little bit more, now it's starting to all close back down again. At Lima One, we've been very cautious. So, when it came around, we were still doing lending, but not at the scale we were doing pre-March 15th. And yep. I think what you've seen from most lenders now and then the sentiments that I've talked to my counterparties that work in the world is we have reduced leverage. And you also see a little bit of higher rates because you can't get the cheaper money that you used to be able to lend out. So your rates have increased anywhere from 50 to 100 basis points and your leverage that like people were getting 95 percent loan to cost them yeah hundred percent so now necessarily (laughs) happen anymore guys (laughs) so you got to have a little bit more equity in the deal and then you're looking for a little bit more for your bars for their equity in the deal and their credibility as well yeah and credibility as far as just overall experience plus their overall fico and so forth that's trying to get a little bit higher yeah so pre-covid i think we were at a 600 minimum credit score now we're at a 660 and then 
we were at as low as 5% down. We now have to have a minimum of 15% down as far as your loan to cost when you get into a deal. So it's just those things to get more comfortable because we still don't have a clear picture of where we're going. Yeah, and nobody <laughs> does, right? So just the whole economical risk factor, it's safer across the board and it's good for the borrowers as well. Obviously, yeah. you can't go like full tilt and get as much bang for your buck, but it makes it a little bit more cautious on both sides, which, you know, is always nice. It's always um, nice. I think we're protected as a lender and then you're protected on your yeah. investment side as well. Because if you have a deal that's 65% ARV or 70%, yeah. you're going to be able to sell that deal. You may, not make much money. Yeah. you might not be able to make as much money as you thought you were going to make, but you're still going to be safe where you don't lose your behind. Yeah, you're not going to be underwater, you know, struggling when, God forbid, whatever tomorrow looks like. I like that. Cool, man. Well, gosh, I mean, there's so much I could pull you on here for like hours because you got got tons of experience. You got tons of knowledge and, you know, just a cool dude I like chilling with. So I appreciate your time greatly. I'm at all. Any words for, you know, or encouragement maybe for, you know, maybe the, the new listeners or somebody just getting started into real estate investing, especially maybe around this pandemic size? I think yeah. I would say I think what hindered me is I let fear get in my way starting out, and I think oh, you just have to just push through the fear. I'm a PK kid, what I call as a preacher kid, and there's yeah. something that we always preach. You're supposed to have faith, and it's like when I came to myself, I didn't believe in myself to be able to do it. But yeah. you have to be able to. I think the knowledge that I gained and the reading and talking to everyone that helped me push through the fear. So while I would say educate yourself, don't overeducate yourself as far as being able to fear going into the deal, and I think that's what I did in the beginning. So if there's any takeaway, just go ahead and hit the hit, hit fear right on, right on his behind and just go forward with it. So good. So, so good. I mean, fear comes from a lack of faith, I believe. And at the end of the day, you'll get more faith in yourself. And also you'll just feel more prepared once you get the education, but just so you know, you're not going to get the full, like a hundred percent of education by reading no. books or listening no. to podcasts like this. I did the whole books, every book I could get my hands on, all the YouTube I could get my hands on, and all the podcasts I could listen to for real estate investing. I did it for two years, four hours each and every day, but there's still, there's a learning curve. That's only going to take you like 50, maybe 60% of the way there, if that. Exactly. You know, but then getting hands on is where you're really going to start learning and developing everything else. So, so don't let that fear get in the way. It's, that's yeah, the only you- thing that will ever hold you back. Yeah, you cannot be afraid to make a mistake. And I think that's what hindered me. It's like, I'm going to make a mistake and then the whole world is going to come crashing. Yeah, and it's you like, can, what's the worst that can happen, what's right? What's the worst that can happen? And so yeah. that's why I was like, I've made mistakes. I've learned from the mistakes, but it's yeah. not going to be the end of the world. So that's, if anything, do not be afraid to make a mistake. We're all human. We make yeah. mistakes every day. You're going to make mistakes, right? <laughs> exactly. So you just have to learn from it and just keep it moving for sure. Yeah. You got to fall a few times before you start running. And at the end of the day, definitely. Uh, yeah. And at the end of the day, just like you said in the beginning, it's like, even though that first deal, it took plenty of mistakes, a lot of learning curves along the way, you still found yourself as the value started, the ARV started increasing, which is, you know, you can find yourself in one of those good mistakes and, yeah, exactly. and God's still like taking care of you at the end of the day, which is awesome. So okay. that's a huge blessing. Courtney, I appreciate your time so much. Anything that the listeners or myself could do and give back to you, you just spent, you know, basically an hour with us. 
I, I'm I'm good, my man. I'm, I'm I love being a giver. Any questions, concerns? I'm trying to think. Facebook is Courtney Newman's. Know you? <laughs> so my name is Courtney yeah. with Know You. So you can find me. Send me messages on there. Instagram is cnew37, cnew37. So if you want to reach out there, and just feel free to reach out. And any questions, concerns, anything you want to team up on, I'm always open. Definitely. I love it. I love it. You guys definitely want to pick this guy's brain more, reach out to him, add value to him, and he'll definitely always pour into you. Tremendous amount. I mean, we just picked his brain about a couple things. So you definitely want to reach out and connect and build that relationship. If you want to reach out to me, you can always do so at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Otherwise, you know, find me on social media. It's Brandon Elliott Investments on Instagram and then facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott Investor. We also have, if anything credit related, you can find at Credit Council Elite. So Credit Council Elite, you can find us anything related on education platform. Otherwise, we also have our credit repair section, do it for you service at creditrepairmobile.com. You guys can reach out. He is um, the man when it comes to that. He is the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Courtney, we, we were able to help you get rid of a bunch of hard inquiries. Excited yes, for that. Definitely. Yes, yeah. definitely. Definitely. He is definitely the man when it comes to it. So I appreciate you guys greatly. If you guys have any questions at all, make sure you reach out. We'll take care of you. But we will see you on the next one. Hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification every single Monday. And leave a review. Let me know what you guys think about it. Till next time, guys. Stay blessed. Courtney, you're the man, bro. Appreciate you. Peace. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.